the Transcare BC works oh, to enhance sorry, the coordination of <laughs> on CITR 101.9 FM. Today is Wednesday, November 29th, um, and we are broadcasting to you live from UBC campus, which is unceded stolen Musqueam territory. We're joined today in the studio by Ava and Mickey, two arts report correspondents. And also, Ava has some things to say about the Intersectionality Collective. If you want to go ahead and do a little PSA on that. Oh, yeah, I'll go right ahead. Um, so, yeah, I'm a part of the Intersectionality Collective. And, uh, you know, we're about to go through a bit of a transitional period in the collective. And uh, we're looking for new members. So if you want to get involved, you have any sort of new perspectives you want to add in. Yeah. Beautiful. And your guys' show runs when again? Do you know the time? I think we're on a break right now from running the show just to do some things in the background, which is part of why we're looking for new members. Mm -hmm. So if you kind of want to help, like, take the collective into a new direction, Mm -hmm. you know, come along. I can attest, too. I was in the Intersectionality Collective last year, and it is so awesome. And you guys do really good work. And, yeah, I'm so happy to have you on today. And thank you so much for bringing that up. Um, And then Mickey here recently went to a play called Tragedy, Slander, and Wine. And we have the insane honor of actually having David Volpov on later on, who is the um, writer and creator and director of the play. So he will be coming on in a few minutes here. But before that, Mickey, would you like to just introduce yourself really quick? Yes. Hello. Um, My name is Mickey, and I did see Tragedy, Slander, and Wine. And I'm so excited to be here. I'm so happy to have you. All right, we're going to go into that PSA that I accidentally played a little clip of before. And then we're going to come back and talk about some amazing things in the uh, Vancouver theater and arts community. Transcare BC works to enhance the coordination of trans health services across the province and offer expanded health services to support transgender communities. They are doing this by developing gender-affirming client-centered models of service, ensuring access to gender-affirming and supportive healthcare that is equitable and available, and supporting network development to make sure trans and gender-diverse individuals, their families, and healthcare providers have access to information, resources, and support. Check out phsa.ca to learn more about this program and lend your voice to help create an inclusive and supportive system for trans members of our community. In the context of Vancouver's opioid crisis, CITR would like to take a moment to share some harm reduction strategies. Try not to do drugs alone. When going out, let friends know what drugs you're taking and make sure someone has an Unloxone kit. If you're able to, get your drugs tested before taking them. Avoid mixing opioids with alcohol or stimulants. Remember that opioids can include painkillers prescribed by a doctor, and it's possible for any drugs to be contaminated with opioids. Learn the signs of opioid overdose, which include, but are not limited to, unresponsiveness or unconsciousness, inability to speak, breathing that is slow, erratic, or has stopped completely, heartbeat that is slow, erratic, or has stopped completely, skin tone that has turned blue or gray, choking or gurgling sounds. If you think someone is overdosing, call 911 immediately. Start rescue breathing and administer naloxone if you have it. You cannot get in trouble for being on drugs, so always call 911 in an emergency. For more information about naloxone kits and training, visit TowardTheHeart.com. Thank you and stay safe. All right, welcome back. And just a reminder that you are listening to CITR 101.9 FM. My name is Serena. I'm your host. And today we're going to be talking about 
some really interesting new plays in Vancouver. Uh, so I recently had the privilege of seeing the Studio 58 play Blood Wedding. And Mickey, you recently saw uh, Promethean Theater's Tragedy, Slander, and Wine. Do you want to just start by giving us a little rundown of what that looked like? I would love to. So um, it was kind of like a whodunit, um, edge of your seat, kind of murder mystery, true crime uh, but it was interesting because it was also like kind of mixed forms of media, I guess, because it was like the actors that were there acting live. And then there was also some like pre-recorded segments that would play on the TV. And so it kind of went back and forth to like the actors and then the TV would play. And the actors didn't really like interact with what was happening on the TV. But I think it was supposed to be just assumed that like they had the same knowledge that we did. So it was kind of like a... I don't know, like, it was definitely suspense for most of it, and then you were supposed to be kind of figuring it out at the same time as, like, the actors and the characters. And they definitely did a lot of, like, um, using the media to make you think one thing and then, like, make you think something different when you, like, actually see it unfold. So, yeah. So it's like a murder mystery play? Yeah, yeah. So they start by, like, showing the scene of, like, the actual, like, crime that happened. Like, it's, like, a super dramatic kind of, like, flashback or something. And then the play starts, and it's, like... It goes in with like interviews from the townspeople, which are on the TV. And then uh, the main characters are just kind of like somebody, like a relative of the person who would like died. And then like a, an old friend, like it was kind of just like random people from the town, but it, they also like kind of developed relationship throughout the play. Mm-hmm. Did they uh, did they have you feeling the thrill, the suspense? Yeah, I, I definitely didn't see where it was going. I will say though that by like the end, where it was wrapping up, I think after intermission, there was kind of like a pivotal moment where you realized that it was going to be not what you expected. And so then I did kind of feel like the rest of the play, like already knowing that, I was like, I hope it like changes again. Like, I hope I'm not right. But then I was right. So, like, <laughs> but maybe was, you're just too yeah. smart. Like, maybe that's a, not an issue I, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's not, maybe that's just like a personal critique. But <laughs> I don't know. I kind of felt like, oh, no, like, I wish that they hadn't like hinted towards that because like it would have been more exciting to learn that at the very end. Mm. They left one too many Easter eggs. Yeah. Like one red herring wasn't a red herring. It was yeah. actually right. That's what I was feeling. That's so interesting that your play was like about like a murder mystery and obviously like very dramatic and about murder uh, because the play that I went to over the weekend was also about murder but had a very different tone to it because it was like a very classic um, Spanish play and it was like inspired by flamenco dancing and like incorporated a lot of elements of flamenco dance in the actual play so it's like really interesting to hear you talk about a play that has kind of a um, I guess alternative like multi-mixed media kind of take on like theater when I also went to something that also had like a kind of a multimedia sense to it as well with like all of the dancing because I remember um one of the things that I thought was really cool about the blood wedding which is put on by um the Langara students like studio 58 too which is actually it was super super cool I was really happy to be there um but anyways, one of the things is like in the little breaks in between scenes, they would have like they would track the moving of time through little tiny like elements of dance, if that makes sense. Oh. There wasn't a lot of like full fledged like dance numbers, but there was like little little like, you know, the hit hit a move <laughs> every now and again. And it was I don't know. I thought that was so interesting because I also don't have like a ton of 
I guess, involvement with flamenco dance. So this is the first time that I've ever seen it live. And I just, I don't know, I want to shout, shout them out for that. Like, I thought they pulled it off really well. It was super cool to see. Do you think that it was, like, the actors learned flamenco for the play or there was something they were already, like, experienced in and that that's made them perfect for, like, the position? I think that they learned it for the play, but I, I don't know. I don't think that the play that they were performing originally was, like, a flamenco dance-related play. I know that it was set in Spain in, like, the Spanish Civil War, but I, I'm, I'm quite sure that the play that um, was put on by Studio 58, like, no one at Studio 58 wrote. I think that, yeah, here I have the notes. It was written by a guy named Frederico Garcia Lorca. So I think it is, like, an established play, and they were just doing, like, a production of it. But I thought it was a really cool thing to do is, like, kind of infuse it with that dance Yeah, so they kind of added well. the flamenco yeah. to add a little bit of flair to yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, it was like, and I think that's also a really smart thing to do with, um, I guess, a production that just has, like, a little bit of a smaller budget because they, they didn't have tons and tons of money for, like, crazy props and, like, crazy background scenes. To be fair, like, I was entertained. Like, I, I have no issue with what they did, you know, put together. But I think that it is kind of a really smart idea to like try to bring some extra like movement or like energy just with like a different form of literally like form of physical movement you know instead of like just relying on like special effects or whatever I'm also like not a totally seasoned like theater enjoyer so I always find it so interesting to like go to a play and see how different it really is from like going to the movies because like the actors are really have to be so scrappy like they really have to just like (laughs) I don't know, give it their all, like, in person right there. Like, there's no takes, there's no... You can't rely on, like, post-editing or anything at all like that. No, there really is just something beautiful about, like, watching an actor in front of you and you're like, wow, like, that's a human person, like, creating art before my eyes right now. Yeah. No, it's so admirable. And I feel like it really does, like, tell the story in a great way. Like, when you're able to see every single person on stage is, like facial expression and like I don't know it really brings you closer into it and do you think that the multimedia aspect of it like brought you closer into the play too Mickey? Yeah I think that it was like it was actually especially exciting for me because I love like uh scenes and shows and stuff where they clip to like oh just like the random townspeople and like what they think like what are people are what people are saying and so I feel like it it had the potential to but I'm not sure if it did like I feel like it definitely it was nice to have some like intermediate like it just have it like spread out throughout like it was like um you're not watching just the play like it had some other elements so I guess it was nice to have that sprinkled in but I'm not sure if it brought me closer Mm -hmm. but so when it was the flamenco dancers did they also break out in music um well there was one guy who was playing the guitar at like the beginning like the way the play started was just like you know, very, very classic. It was really cool. It was like, you know, dimly lit stage, single spotlight, like one man playing like flamenco or like classic, like Spanish guitar. Um, And I think that they had recorded that and played it throughout because he was like an actor in the play. So obviously he wasn't doing the music, but it sounded like either someone was behind the scenes, like playing guitar live for the actual play or maybe they had like recorded it but I think that they did also the music so like they made the music and the dance numbers and like their take on the play all themselves which I yeah Yeah. that was really cool that's fun because I also I really like when there's music and it's not like a musical like they're not necessarily like breaking out into song and dancing but there's just like little bits of like music I feel like Mm -hmm. that's fun all right we have David on the line oh I don't think we have him on the line anymore 
David, if you want to call back again. <laughs> um, so when that comes through, we'll have the chance to speak with yeah, David Volpov, who did create um, Tragedy, Slander, and Wine. All right. Hi, David. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, Hi. thanks for having me on the show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. Um, all right, so I don't know if you caught this, but right now in the studio we have Ava, who's um, a member of the Arts Report and a member of the Intersectionality Collective. And we also have Mickey, who was the correspondent who had the privilege of going to see your play. She just gave us a little bit of a synopsis of her experience, but do you want to tell us, kind of just walk us through the play as you see it? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, just want to say thank you for seeing the play. It really means a lot. Uh, uh, people from all over Vancouver come and see uh, local work. Um, for me, this play came in 2020. Uh, just a bit of a background. In 2020, when all theater shut down, there was this new craze called digital theater, which was basically anything that you could do over Zoom. Um, after, after a year, we realized... Oh, that's not really that appealing to audiences, but there's ways of innovating theater with some digital elements uh, that doesn't exactly have to uh, use Zoom. And so that's where the idea came for Tragedy, Slander, and Wine. It's a murder mystery that uh, has social commentary about how we use media, how we perceive media, whether that's traditional news, social media and how that gets in the way of the truth of this murder that happened on stage. And so that was the idea behind having filmed interviews with the townsfolk who actually fill you in on some of the background information for the audience to know, oh, uh, what is the backstory behind mm -hmm. this character or that character? So it's a, w it's a fun way for the audience to... Uh, to get some exposition without the characters themselves talking to each other on stage. It's just a new, a new way to get, to get information across. No, that's super innovative, and that's that was really interesting that it came out of like your experience in the pandemic too. You spoke uh, briefly just now about how digital plays were kind of going on in the pandemic. Do you want to touch on that again? I've never heard of that personally, so I'm really interested. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, digital theater, because every theater across the country had shut down, um, what a lot of my actor friends ended up doing uh, is just having a, a, a Zoom session and reading, reading plays that we love. And so having an audience and doing a small little presentation in that way, that was like our way of getting a a quick fix when there wasn't any theater actually going on. Um, so out of, out of that, I was really interested in the idea of, Oh, how do we, if we merge, if we merge different mediums together, how does the audience, uh, respond differently to theater versus film, specifically seeing film on stage? Mm -hmm. And what would you say, like, how do you think that the audience responds differently? Because we can also speak to Mickey, and I'll ask her that question afterwards, too, just to see her experience with that. 
I think that the multimedia elements were was something that everyone really enjoyed uh, seeing. It's actually it's actually something that m- my director and a few people on on the creative team said. I don't. I've never seen this, and I don't know how it's going to come across. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking at something on a script uh, that says this part is filmed, this part is not. Um, but in the end, I think that everyone everyone had the same had a similar experience after uh, we put it up in the theater uh, during during Tech Week. Mm-hmm. and seeing it all together all take place. So as you are the, the writer of the play, or the author, I guess, what would be the technical term for that? Um, how, would, how have you seen it change from when you first thought it up and kind of came up with this whole idea to now that it's on stage and being played out with the recorded pieces? How, how has that uh, kind of genesis gone? Well, it's gone through many, many, many drafts. It it started off in a really different place than where it, than where it than where it ended up. Originally, it was going to be a shorter, fun thing to do during COVID. It was going to be more like a less of a murder mystery, more of a spoof on true crime, mm-hmm. uh, which it has some of that still. Um, but actually, I was really fortunate in that I got to keep doing rewrites during rehearsal because I had a really great director, Larice Campbell, who um, led discussions about the characters, about the mystery, things that are unclear. And so I was able to do rewrites based on their suggestions, and it was a really collaborative process in that way. That's so so interesting. And I feel like, um, sorry, I feel like another thing that, uh just came to mind when you're saying that we've had like quite a few different artists and like creators of all different like mediums and walks of life um come on arts report and one thing that i do find like majority of them always say is like they emphasize the importance of like community and like the collaborative nature of creating especially in the arts world do you want to speak a little bit to that in your community in this i I completely agree i think that uh especially in theater, it's so collaborative because um, I can bring a script, but a script just lives on the page. I can, when I bring in actors, the characters actually come in, in, in real life. When I bring in a set designer, suddenly we see the world that we're in. So in that sense, it's really, really collaborative and, and everyone has their, their say. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about Promethean Theater specifically, too? I guess if you want to just speak to the uh, community that you are part of right now. I think that you've worked for them for about five years now. Am I right about that? Yeah, that's that's right. Um, Promethean Theater has been uh, <clears throat> making plays since 2018. And uh, wow. the reason that we wanted to start Promethean Theater is because there's a, a real lack of opportunities for emerging artists in the city, so there are some uh, um, apprenticeships or assistant positions. Uh, but what we wanted to see more of is emerging artists in creative leadership, and so 
what our projects are. They're all led by emerging artists, um, created by, acted by, um, and this is like a really great work opportunity uh, that they might not get at an apprenticeship. So yeah, that kind of even connects back to that like need for community. That's super cool that like this company is like kind of trying to have more community like outreach initiatives. And I know that you also were doing some, um, I guess a bit more uh, generous and uh, yeah, I guess back to that thought of like collaborative um, process of like creation and like trying to engage a lot of people into your work and like into the audience I think you had some like giveaways or some like promotional aspects where you're trying to help out um, like younger people to come and see your work as well and I just want to kind of um, applaud you guys for that I think that that's really awesome and like trying to get younger people involved in like the art scene especially in Vancouver too which is such like a burgeoning art scene but I feel like it does um kind of run stagnant sometimes so I, I do want to kind of commend you guys for both being really innovative in um like the ways that your productions actually take form but also just like that process and what you're trying to do with the company as a whole that that really means a lot and uh this the student matinee was one of the one of the my favorite days it was so great to see like a full house with high schoolers who, you know, haven't seen theater before, but this might be their first time. Mm -hmm. um, we have a question from Mickey, the correspondent here. Mickey, if you want to take it away. Yeah. So I actually wasn't aware that um, you were working with Promethean Theater, which might just be like indicative of my lack of research. <laughs> but I did, I did really like the venue. Like it was at the Nest. So I'm wondering, I guess, is that like a temporary space that you guys have rented out and you do like multiple shows from there or it just happened to be that this one was set up there or I just wondering about the location. Yeah, we, re we rented out the nest for this production because we thought it was, we thought it was, it was really fitting for the show. We've seen a lot of <clears throat> uh, new works actually being produced at the nest. Um, yeah, we, we, we love all of Granville Island, all their stages actually. Mm -hmm. And then also, just one other thing back to the kind of having like the mixed media elements. I, I really enjoyed that it was like when we would get the TV interviews from the townspeople, it was directed just to the audience. Like it, it never seemed like the, the actors were like acknowledging the TV or like standing and watching it and then like communicating to the audience or like making an expression or anything. So I thought that was really nice because it's also kind of like you can watch something happen like an event and then you're still also going to be hearing different narratives and stuff from like the media that you intake like the news and stuff. So I wonder if did you ever like toss that around kind of debating like whether or not you were going to have the actors on stage also watching the TV or if it was just going to be for the audience? Um, uh, first off, thank you for that's such a great compliment. Uh, it means a lot. Um, that is actually not something that I'd ever thought about having the having the actors watch the uh, the interviews because um, we knew that there would be a scene about halfway through the play where two of the actors would actually watch edited clips of the interviews and see how that was sort of like um, my director called them Franken bits. You know when when the news. Uh, splices different clips to create a whole new meaning. So that was something that we wanted to play around with. So it was really important that that the actors saw those clips re-edited. But 
but that's cool that you that you talk about no that's maybe maybe for a few for future production honestly yeah that's super cool i i also yeah as you were saying that i remembered about the franken bits and i think also that was a moment uh, where the audience could kind of be like what's going on because that's not what we saw yeah 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 um i also had a question so it sounds like you've been a pretty involved with this production for quite a while. You know, it's a bit of a passion project. What are your uh, takeaways now that, you know, it's really come to life? Like, how do you feel about it, you know, looking back? Oh, wow. It, the whole process was really surreal because I've had, uh, I've had you know, my one-act plays before mm-hmm. produced, but this is the first time that I've ever had my, uh, like, feature-length play in a sort of professional, semi-professional setting. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's so cool. I, I, I would really want to think more about where where else I can take tragedy, slander, and wine. You know, I've, I've heard, <clears throat> you know, taking, taking in audience feedback and, and just processing some of a lot of the things that, that I've heard. Uh, mostly, you know, really mostly positive things about the play. Um, and yeah, now I wonder, you know, what's the next story going to be? What am I going to write next? That's so fun. Do you have any, uh, like lessons you've learned from this creative process that you're going to carry into you with those next venditures? Hmm. Yeah. I would say, and this is something that, that we kind of, that we touched on a bit er earlier, um, trust your collaborators trust your future collaborators it can be it can be easy being a playwright and micromanaging a lot of the things in the script so that you know people in the future can't make decisions but i think something that really worked for this production was uh how how like uncomfortable it was to go into this multimedia environment and not know how to do it, but then everyone figures it out together. It's not my decision. It's not the director's decision. It's sort of something that everyone agrees on as a group. So that's that's something that's really fascinating to me, and I and I really just want to keep uh, keep uh, keep putting pe- people in you know creative leadership. That's what Prometheans all about. Yeah, for sure. And then also, um, I'm curious about, are there any upcoming events coming from, like, Promethean Theater or something that you have in mind specifically? Yeah, Promethean Theater, uh, if, if anyone wants to follow us on uh, Facebook and Instagram, uh, we're Promethean Theater. Um, we have a Femme Festival uh, coming up in 2024. Wow. So that's going to be a... We're going to have three solo shows that are going to be created by and performed by femme theater artists. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that's coming up soon. So you can follow us for any announcements. As you have been with Promethean for about five years now and, like, throughout the pandemic as well, which obviously was really important to you and your creative process, um, how would you say that the theater company, or I guess even just, like, Vancouver theater community in general has changed in your five years there? Wow, Vancouver Theatre. I mean, I think that 
I was. That's a, that's a really that's a great question because I was actually <clears throat> when Promethean started, I was still I was still in school. I was not really integrated in the community. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but graduating out of COVID and seeing seeing how companies adapt and and change, it seems like the work that we're doing is can be either bigger or smaller. Mm, So, so if, if, if somebody would want to go to see, uh, you know, a theater show, they might, they might want to really, really, really go and see sound of music or, you know, mean girls, the musical, these, these really big shows that they know that they're going to love. Um, and, also, after COVID, in the, in the other direction, a lot of independent theater companies have had to downgrade, make some new programming choices. But I think something that's really awesome that's come out of that is the fact that the work is more focused on community because right. it's smaller. You can you can focus more on the artists that you involve mm-hmm. instead of trying to put on something big so it's either really big or, or really small that's that's the sort of direction that that i that i see things going yeah just going back to your play what do you hope the audience takes away from watching it i think that my big takeaway and the reason that i really wanted to tell this story was um it's a murder mystery, uh, but more importantly, it's 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 a really personal story about how how someone can manipulate or use the media uh, or use it to their advantage. And so, something I just want everyone to look around for is just to be more mindful about the way that they consume media. You know, um, looking looking at Sources. There's a lot of conspiracy theories online. That's that's a sort of um, element of the play. So I, I just want everyone to <clears throat> to in- to interrogate their own understanding yeah, totally. of what they see, read, and hear. That's that's a pretty noble undertaking, to be honest. Um, just kind of touching on one point that you just said there. What is it specifically about the pandemic or about your experience in the pandemic that did change your view of? the media we ingest or the way we ingest it, like, so deliberately? What what was it that was so um, important to you that you, you felt, like, the calling to kind of spread that message? That's a really great question. I, it, I've seen a lot of um, true crime come out of COVID, and I don't know why. I think everyone was just really... They just wanted to watch some, like, Dateline in their living rooms or something, but that's when Tiger King came out, and I <laughs> and I, I don't know why I'm so obsessed still with Tiger King, but there was something that was really interesting, which is that it sort of framed Carol Baskin as as someone who you know the narrative wanted wanted her to be um, someone dangerous, deceitful. Um, and looking back on that show now, I, I'm looking at the music, at the editing, at the things that they made us 
<clears throat> that they how they manipulated the filmmaking to make us think that. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I wasn't. I'm not completely convinced of that narrative, and it's really funny that one year later she would show up on on Dancing with the Stars to tell her story her way, and suddenly she's waltzing around and and um that's her way of of communicating a different kind of Carol Baskin that the uh, that the audience doesn't know, and so that's what that's what the character Shannon, the protagonist in Tragedy, Slander, and Wine. Um, that's what her best friend convinces her to do. Um, and sort of, sort of the politics around that and, and the, the, uh, the intersections of, of gender, like this sort of femme fatale character that they, that they paint her to be. Um, yeah, I was just really interested in, in everything about that. Yeah. I mean, that is really interesting. And yeah, like you said too, I do agree that like so much true crime and like even murder mystery content stuff came out of the pandemic, which is, I don't know. I, do you have any speculations as to why that like genre became so popular in that, in that time? Cause I'm thinking also about, um, the show like only murders in the building too, cause I feel <laughs> yeah. like that show really thrived specifically in like the pandemic like i think it probably would have been popular otherwise but i i definitely think a lot of its success was like i don't know it it had the right market at the right time but yeah i guess you have more experience in that like said market than i do so what what do you what are your speculations on why true crime and everything is so popular in like 2020 ish oh wow that's that's such a great question and probably not one i um, probably not one I have a really great answer for, but but um, I think everyone just wanted to maybe see something that was real or something about the real world. Maybe they were tired of Netflix, I wonder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think also the isolation probably led a lot of people to, like, even if they were kind of on the fence, they developed, like, much stronger opinions to those sorts of things. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, the isolation. Just, like, being separated from real life, like, wanted to watch maybe a lot of true crime. I know reality TV was also really big. Like, true. I think we were just looking for what felt like real people, even if that came in weird forms. We yeah, did did Love Island. Island come out at the same time? I think I think it was Too Hot to Handle, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Too Hot to Handle. I think there's Too also. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I have to agree with that. I think there's also something kind of satisfying about watching a true crime because it like usually it'll wrap up in the end, and so then it feels like yes, like I know the answer, mm. justice. So I feel like at a time when not like nobody really knows what stuff what thing which direction things are going to go and like what's right and wrong it feels good to just be like oh well like i know that this is what happened and this show proves it yeah mm-hmm. totally. you get a little bit of closure yeah or maybe maybe another like alternative solution is um people just like wanting to justify staying inside and being like the outside world is so scary like so true horrible things happen outside like i'm totally fine with being where I'm at right now. Mm. Yeah. The way to be grateful for your own for your situation is to yeah. compare how it is with others. The grass is always greener, or or opposite. The grass is always bloodier. Maybe. 
Um, well, we're going to wrap it up now. We have a couple more PSAs to play and a couple songs. But do you have any last thoughts, any concluding points that you'd like to make, David? Uh, no, just just uh, I'll plug Promethean Theater. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can follow us anywhere. Um, and thanks again for, for having me on the show. This was, thank you this so was much. A, a really great conversation so really thank you so much i'm so glad that you were able to come on and i'm sorry about the traffic as well that's super brutal <laughs> but um thank yeah. you david thank thanks you so you. much david thanks take care thanks bye-bye all right and like i said we have a couple more psas to play but stick around it'll only be a couple minutes and then we will be back to the arts report and just a reminder again that you are in the studio with Ava, Mickey, and Serena, and this is CITR 101.9 FM. MRG presents Garrett T. Willie at the Wise Hall, performing his debut album, Same Pain. This 23-year-old from Kingcom Inlet offers the world something it has genuinely been missing for a while, a contemporary take on hardscrabble blues and the purest, rawest rock and roll. Don't miss Garrett T. Willie's show at the Wise Hall on December 2nd and be sure to catch his in-studio performance and interview on Noise Complaint by CITR 101.9, also on December 2nd. Are you tired of Big Brother bookstores trying to sell you some billionaire's favorite book or Heather's top picks? Then you should check out Vancouver Books. Vancouver Books is a new online family-run bookstore. A portion of their profits go to First Nations Reconciliation and Environmental Projects in British Columbia. They provide their customers with the most interesting books in fine arts, signed first editions, First Nations photography, fine ancient books, occult, and so much more. They also provide carbon-free delivery to anywhere in the Vancouver area. So go to www.vancouverbooks.ca to check out Vancouver Books today. That's www.vancouverbooks.ca. All right. Thank you so much for those PSAs, and thanks for sticking around if you did. Um, if you did not stick around and you're a new listener, we are live to you from UBC campus right now. This is CITR 101.9 FM, um, and we're just wrapping up the arts report today. We have a little bit less time than I thought we did, so I think we're just going to wrap up the show. Um, but I like to wrap up the show the way that my, um, the host before me, what would I what would I call the host before me? My predecessor. Yeah, predecessor, thank predecessor. you, that's the word. I was going to say the queen, but that <laughs> felt like a little... I mean, <laughs> the not queen. wrong, but interesting choice. Yeah, the predecessor, Queen Ruby, would always ask, uh, I guess, kind of a rhetorical question, because nobody can respond, but... Um, what everyone would have for dinner tonight in like an absolute beautiful perfect world because it is the 5 to 6 p.m. show we have a lot of a lot of fine people driving home from work you know they're, they're getting ready to go home and make some good good food so Mickey you go first you, you seem like you have things to say in a perfect world I would be having a rice vermicelli bowl Ooh. from the lunchbox which is on like commercial main street okay plug um or a kitsilano <laughs> tofu bowl from uh totem orchard no. <laughs> um 
Yeah, that's that would crazy. have to be mine. The crispy spring roll on top of the Ooh. vermicelli, like, please. Yeah. Wow, you got some really the dining specific. hall plug, <laughs> yeah. too. Bro, what yeah. kind of nostalgia you going through? In case we have any first years on the line. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's your first year call in right yeah. now. And I'll tell you where to go. We need to talk to you. Uh, Ava? I, honestly, I've got something a little less specific. I just want some mashed potatoes. Oh, with like, gravy and butter? No. What? No gravy, no. just butter. <laughs> butter is good. What about chive, chive butter mashed potatoes? Uh, like any kind of specialty butter, I'm down. But yeah. keep the gravy away, Yum. I can't lie. I'm just not that kind of gal. I think today in my perfect world... I'd be going home to have some salad rolls, some, like, really big, chunky salad rolls, just, like, absolutely packed. You know, the rice paper is just, like, pulling on the seams, just, like, <laughs> full of delicious food. And some, some like, sauce with it, you know, just drenched. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of hungry mm-hmm. now. And, like, it's so crunchy, but, like, there's so much stuff in there that when you bite it, it's dense. Yeah. 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 I really hear yeah. you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it for us. Thank you so much for listening. And we will catch you guys again next week. Oh, and just a reminder that next week on Tuesday, it is the finale of Shindig. So for the last four weeks, we've been having uh, CITR's annual Battle of the Bands, 16 bands. And next week, it's narrowed down to four finalists. And the uh, winner will be declared, I believe, on Wednesday of next week. Um and that winner will be getting a Fanta Records record deal. So it is pretty, pretty sweet. Um, and yeah, I hope to see you all there. We'll also be playing on Arts Report next week a lot of Shindig content. So come on Tuesday and then tune in again on Wednesday. And have a lovely, lovely week and a lovely dinner. Bye, everybody. Bye. Then I Next time I decide to
Das bin ich.